Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Oh, thanks guys. I am seriously dehydrated after worship this morning. I'm just crying so much. Welcome this morning. My name's Stephen. I'll just start talking. Sorry, I can't see a thing. My glasses are all fogged up. I gave them to Kylie because I said I can't see out of these and then I realised they just were milky with tears. I'm overwhelmed by God's goodness this morning. I'm overwhelmed by Jesus' love. I'm overwhelmed by the enormity of who God is. Thank you, Carol. And how much and how pure he is and how he is everything that this world is crying out for. Thank you, Father God. Where do we go? I'm so glad that Jesus said, you know, you're going to be taken captive and you're going to be beaten. He's telling the disciples this. Encouraging word. Josh and Naomi, how are you? Welcome home. Welcome home. I keep saying, they've got a house here. They've got to move back. So, um, sorry. We're we're texting them in New Zealand saying, why the hell did you leave this place? And and I said, we're we're in New Zealand. (laughs) New Zealand. Oh, good to see you guys. They've moved away, by the way. Thank you. Church to us is very natural. It's not something that's fake. It's not something we do life together. It's the way that Jesus meant it to be. I had a discussion with a guy in New Zealand in a hiking goods store talking about icebreaker merino wool um, thermals, as you do in New Zealand. And we started this discussion about Buddhism, Hinduism, every religion. Don't even know how that happened. I just realised in minutes, within minutes, we're in this deep, deep conversation. And I'm like, how did I get sucked into this? And then I realised this guy is hungry. He's searching. He's taught, he knows about, he's read every religion he, and, he's, and he thinks he knows it all. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just listening because the Word of God says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, and slow to take offense. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know how much I, Adrian, my, my hero brother, spoke a message once called quick, slow, slow, slow. And that has just resonated in my life. Stephen, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, and slow to take offense in everything that I do. That's me emulating Jesus as best I can. Hmm. I've got to get my thoughts together because I've got so much in me that's just bubbling at the moment. And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and He dwelt amongst us. What does that mean? The Word. John talks about it. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. It's, it's the Logos. It's the, it is the established, immutable eternal word of God. It is what God stands by, it is what God proclaims, it is what God, it holds everything in check. It's his word and it's eternal. It does not change and it's Jesus. So Jesus, by him all things were made. The word was spoken and the word achieved it. Don't ask me how it was done. I want to see it one day and we get to see it one day. I want to see it when in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I want to see that. 
I want to see when he said, let there be light, because what was there before light? It was his glory. But when he said, let there be light, something changed. He called out of nothing, what we thought was nothing, everything. The word was made flesh. The unchangeable, eternal word of God. The eternal word, the eternal God became flesh in the person of Jesus the Messiah and he lived as a man amongst us. He was God in the flesh and all the values, principles and ethics that he taught, no one had ever talked like this before. He came out speaking such authority, such wisdom, such depth and such exact, precise refining light on scripture on prophecy on everything that people just went who is this guy oh it's Jesus he's the son of Joseph you know Jesus I know Jesus who is he something had changed he he had stepped into his fullness oh he did it so normal He did real religion so normal. Everyone else dressed up in clothes and and condemned everyone else that wasn't doing what they were doing. Jesus did life so normal (laughs) to the point when he stood amongst men who were in a heightened frenzy to kill someone because they had such an unbalanced view of justice. A woman caught in adultery. And he said, whoever has not sinned gets to throw the first stone. He was saying to them right then, I haven't sinned, guys. If any of you have seen me sin, point it out. They couldn't, they they just dropped their rocks. The the eldest dropped their rocks first. Because they go, yeah, I know what I've done in my life. The younger ones have still got that testosterone. You know, it's got that fire. No, no, no. What are you? Oh, I'm the only one here. (laughs) Yep. And then Jesus says, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. He says, neither do I. He's the only one that could have. (laughs) He knew no sin. He taught us that the most important values aren't just our outward appearances and our behavior. He taught us that the real defining factor that God measures, that God weighs, that God judges in our life are the intents and the purposes, the ambitions of our heart. Jesus said that out of the heart has the potential within man to proceed evil thoughts and murderous accusations and adulteries and thefts and blasphemies and lies and all, and all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. We say, no, it's not. It's somebody else's problem. Why would a a just and loving God make this world like it is that we have to endure such trials and struggles? It wasn't his plan. He gave us free will. We have free will. What does free will look like unless you get a choice? We have a choice. Jesus said, out of the heart comes all the corruption of the world so the heart's got to be changed 
That's why Jesus said we must be born again. You must be transformed. You must have a new beginning, and he can do it. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus spoke publicly in Nazareth, the place that he was raised. Born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. I love that song, Callum. Got that song going through my head. I'm not a sook. I'm not really. I don't like to cry that much, but at the moment, <laughs> there's people here for the first time, and they're going, "Who is this guy? You're waiting for this." So, who's watching the Chosen at the moment? And if you haven't, shame. <laughs> no, that, that's terrible. I. So Kylie said to me, I'm, I'm talking about in Luke where, where Jesus reads out the, the so I, Kylie goes, have you seen that in Chosen? And I went, nah, I watched Chosen and then I cry too much and I get dehydrated and I'm like, I'm out in the dog bowl like, <laughs> the dog's going, that's mine. And I'm like, yeah, it's the only water I could find quickly. I was already down here on my face before the Lord, so I thought I'd just... So I watched it this morning, and I, I just bawled through it. <sighs> Jesus is so important. So I said to this guy in the hiking store, he goes, because we're talking about religion, I said, yeah. And so I started getting into because he was really delving into it. So I started getting into North mythology and Greek mythology and to, then into Irish and Scottish mythology and, and just talking about the narrative that all human mankind, every enduring culture that we know of has a belief in a creator. They have an original narrative of a creator. The, in the indigenous Americans have a, the creator, the great spirit. The indigenous Australians have it. They have a, this creator, but all of them then, we say, oh, but then they got into different types of religion and gods made gods yeah so did Israel made they went from uh, worshipping the creator to then worshipping created things either an animal or something that they'd carved out of the out of itself out of something precious so I said to him there is one message that we know is true and he goes really where's that I said it's in the teachings of Jesus goes what? what 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 are you talking about I said to be honest Jesus is the person that we want everyone to be we want everyone to treat us like Jesus treated everybody we want everyone to be Jesus we want them to love unconditionally we want us we want everyone to forgive us for our in you know our indiscretions they want us to let things slide sometimes when they know that we've we're, we're, our heart is right but we've come out and said the wrong thing they they let things slide <laughs> said so Jesus actually was the person that we all want to be and then I left Then somebody else told me they had a really deep discussion with a guy in an icebreaker store in the, in the place we were staying. I went, really? Gee, I had the same discussion with that guy. I wonder if he started talking about Jesus. So I pray for him now. You might say, 
Stephen, you didn't lead him in a prayer. No, he was working. Come on. I stepped over the line already, but I dropped the seed that was pure from me. It was a pure seed. There was no God. There was nothing attached to it. There was just like, I want you to know Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are really good. Get into him. So Jesus, oh, you've got to watch the chosen. He opens it up. It's his time to speak. First time reading the scrolls, I gather, in, and teaching from the scrolls. Open it up. Oh, this is Ezra. <laughs> this is my little... Hello, Ezra. You gorgeous little boy. You want to cuddle? I think you do. <laughs> so, oh, this is so cool. Come on, buddy. So, he's going to enjoy this. Look at this. So, do you know what's really cool? I was thinking, I was thinking, praying for Ezra. Praying for my kids and praying for Ezra. And, um, yeah, I realise he's like, so, oh, yeah. He's like, save me from this man. So he is the, um, what is he now? Like, no, no, no. You don't know what I'm counting. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he's now the, Papa, he's now the fifth generation in this church. He's a fifth generation. There's something about, see, God said, the song we were singing is that he's going to bless to a thousand generations, those that love him. A thousand generations. But those who hate him and don't care for his ways and his teachings, after three generations, it says you'll, you'll see them no more. And you, you think, no, no, I've, people still go on. It's like, yeah, yeah, but they forget who is past three generations. It means nothing to them. And their, their existence is just very small, very nuclear, very small. When we're actually meant to have a larger perspective of, of life. Luke 4, 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And I would love to go into everything they brought out in The Chosen, but watch it, please. It is so beautiful. What he brings out is just so profound. And he does it with everything. He knows what the result's going to be. And he tells them, I am the saviour, virtually, I'm the Messiah, I'm him, this is me. They get so furious, they grab him, they, they thrust him out and they say, we're going to kill you right now. They take him to a hill that the town is built on and they're going to throw him off, stone him, kill him and he just walks through them. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. He did everything. From that point, he did everything full on. 
well, I think he did it before that, but this point, we just know that he went into another level of sacrifice. So in 1997, I was in my late 20s. I went to a revival in America because it had been going for two years. And I, I was a pastor in the church. I was a youth pastor. And I went over there and I was so excited because there was, there was this powerful move of God. And it was, I just wanted to see and experience what I was seeing on, on videos and what I was. And I got there and I wanted to hear this girl sing. She sang this Come to the Mercy Seat every night, sang the same song. She was 13 when she first started singing. It sounded like a 40-year-old blues soul singer, like amazing deep voice. I got, when I got there, she was like 15 and a half. I remember the first night she's singing this song and I, he'd done an altar call and it was all about repentance. And I, there was a spirit of repentance in the place like I had never experienced before. I was there to encounter God, but I, I realized God wanted to deal with some stuff in my life. He had to clean some stuff up that I didn't even realize was residue in my life. And so for a week... Every night I was on my face out the front crying out to God for another area of repentance. And we think, oh, repentance is a sad thing. No, repentance is a joy. Repentance is a privilege. Repentance is a tool. It is a key of the kingdom that we don't have to carry shame anymore. We don't have to carry guilt anymore. It's, it's been dealt with. And you go, that's just way too inconvenient. Thank you. You've got it. He has dumbed it up so much for us that he goes, take it. I've paid the price. The debt's cancelled. It's all done. All you have to do is believe this message. <laughs> and the world says we refuse to believe that message. But they will believe one day. And we pray for salvation. Because that was Jesus' heart for salvation. Oh, there's so much. So he started his ministry off with this proclamation. Oh, my goodness. So I'm on the floor out at Brownsville, and I am crying out to God. I was really, I'm a quite a passionate person. So I'm like crying out to God, God, forgive me. I was such a fool. How could I get in that position? Why did I do that? I know better than that. And I couldn't even hear the words coming out of my mouth because there was some, I don't know, 15 or 16-year-old surfer geek next to me screaming his head off and I'm like I ended up repeating everything he was saying because he was so loud he was dominating and I'm going Stephen are you for real are you for real what is you know love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your passion with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength what does that mean and this 15, 16-year-old surfer kid that I never know taught me a lesson that night that I've got to do everything with all my heart, all my soul, my passion, vitality in life because Jesus did that for me. And if I'm going to emulate Jesus, then I need to emulate his passion. So when Jesus arrived back in Jerusalem quickly, Oh, this is glorious. Before he died, I want to just look 
briefly at some of the things he talked because he only had a couple of days. It was important. He was primed. He knew what was coming. He knew time was short. He only had a short time with people. So what was important to him during this time coming to Jerusalem? Came in triumphant. A horse that had never been ridden. He just goes, you'll find a horse. Tell him that the master needs it and it'll be returned. They, they give it to him. People start taking off their clothes and putting down palm fronds and they're waving it. They stand before him. They march in a procession saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed be the kingdom of David. My goodness, they're proclaiming the kingdom of David is entering Jerusalem. So this takes a long time. Jesus goes to the temple that night. Everybody's gone. So he goes to Bethany, about a 40-minute walk away. Comes back in the morning. He's hungry. Sees a fig tree. Fig tree's got leaves on it. Leaves mean that it's a season for figs. So he goes wandering over. Fig's got no fruit on it. He says, no one's going to eat from you again. Interesting thing to have happened, but that's when it happened. He goes to the temple. What does he do in the temple? Prays, starts teaching. No, he cleanses the temple again. Again, cast out all the money, all the merchants. He would not let anybody bring any merchandise into the temple. He cleansed it. <laughs> he says, my house is to be a house of prayer for all peoples, and you have made it a den of robbers. He stands in the temple and tells parables, <laughs> and the teachers of the law hate it because he know, they know he's talking about them. He's saying there was a rich man, he, he, he buys a field and he digs a wine press and he does everything and then he gives it to these farmers to lease. When he comes to get the, the money for leasing the property, they, they beat his servants and then they beat him, beat him, beat him. All these servants that he sends and they end up killing servants, killing servants. And then finally he says, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect my son. And they kill his son. And that's, Jesus just telling the whole narrative. We know it because we've got hindsight. But... He's telling, they go, we've got to kill him, we've got to kill him. There was such hatred there. The Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees all had attempts to trick and catch Jesus up, but he shut them down, every single one of them. Shut them down with wisdom, with oh, clarity, and everybody loved it. Nobody wanted to move on Jesus because they were afraid of the crowd. Some things that he taught on. In Mark 12, 38, he said these things. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk. These are the things he said to watch out for. Watch out for teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. 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 And have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. But they devour widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. <laughs> do, you, do you wonder why the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those are like, oh. Who's the teachers of the laws today? Made me think. Watch out for the teachers of the law. Who are they today? Is it the religious institutions? Are they establishing the laws and the, you know, the principles that we live by? Who sets the values for what, how we live by in society? Let's forget about God for a moment. No, we can't do that. Um, let's just look at it from a worldly perspective. Who sets the values in community? 
for moral. I'm coming up with a new term. When people are using terms, throwing them around, I'm calling people moralophobes now. Are you a moralophobe? You afraid of morals? It'll catch on. Come on. Use it with me. But please, use Adrian's name. The teachers of the law, let's just look at what he, how he describes them. They like to walk around in the most expensive clothes. They like to look good to everybody around them. They like to be greeted in the, and respected in the places where money is transferred, where commerce takes place. Regardless of what you think about the gender confusion thing, it's a commerce. It is a business. Greed has taken over now. And let me drop this in. When he talks about widows, he's talking about the vulnerable, those that cannot defend themselves in society. So they like to walk around in their flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces because of wealth and have the most important seats in the important gatherings and the places of honour at all the feasts. Who is that today? Our influencers? on the social media, our bankers, our commerce, our big business, pharmaceuticals, whatever you want to call it, this is very much in our world today. Watch out for those who live this way because all they're doing is devouring helpless people, those that can't defend themselves. Jesus, is like, And he speaks about widows twice in this very short state. Next thing... <clears throat> I watched a thing on TV last night. This is just crazy. A whole um, uh, housing complex, multi-story building in um, Sydney. People are getting kicked out of it. And, and you can see that these are socially, economically disadvantaged people. And they're all there going, we don't know how we're going to... There's no accommodation available. They're kicking us out so they can bump the price up, the rent up, because there's a law with that now. <laughs> trying to get this out for you. The name of the company or the organisation that owns this building is called National Affordable Housing. <laughs> Beware. Watch out for the teachers of the law. Don't be lulled to sleep by the law or the teachings that this world is trying to lull us into sleep. One of the things that Jesus says later on when they're asking, when's all these things going to take place, Jesus? He comes out with this great big long list of things that were going to happen to them, things that were going to happen in the future, things that were going to happen to those that they were going to speak to, things that are going to happen at the end days, and then says that generation, they won't pass away before I come in glory. So he says all this to them. They ask, when's, this, when's the rocks going to be taken out of the temple? And Jesus goes, he never, he never said anything without purpose and direction. If he speaks about something, we must take notice. But then he says, I say this to everybody and I tell you right now, be alert. Don't fall asleep. Watch. Be watchful. In this time, in this season, we must be most watchful of what is being brought to us. There are teachers of the law trying to just permeate our, hmm, to actually, to infiltrate and to contaminate the gospel. 
The gospel is pure. It does not need anything attached to it. Jesus is the way, the only way, the light, the salt. He's the only way to the Father. It's not my law. It's not my rule. I believe that, though, and I'm not going to try and mess with that. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus made that way. Oh, I'm way over here. So, the widow came. He sat down at the same time, straight after he he made that statement. He says, Jesus sat opposite the place of offering in verse 41 of Mark 12. Jesse, thank you. Um, Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, two mites, only worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, a man of men, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And we look at that and we go, okay, so Jesus likes it when people give all their money. No, it's the heart. It's not the action, it's the heart. Why did he acknowledge that? Because it was kingdom. It was kingdom what she was doing. He knew that she listened to her God. He knew, he could tell that she knew and was intimate with her God. She, he knew and could tell that she was trusting her God. And he goes, that's kingdom right there. The example isn't the action, it's the attitude of the heart. So what was Jesus' attitude? John 17, we're going to smash through this um, really quick. In the Amplified, I just want to say this is what Jesus did for us in his prayer on the mountain. When he told the guys, he said, I tell this to everybody, watch, stay alert. Then he goes to Gethsemane and he says, guys, keep awake. I am disturbed. I am troubled to the point of death. Please keep awake for me. Goes away to pray. He's praying for them. He's praying for us. He's praying for the future of the message of the gospel. He's praying for that we would be one. He comes back and they're asleep. And right before that, he said, you're going to flee. You're going to abandon me. And they go, no way. Even if, ah, we're not going to. Peter goes, even if all these guys leave you, I'll die with you, Jesus couldn't even keep their eyes open did he make them feel bad no he says on your feet guys look my accusers coming there i'm about to be hand over to sinful men it was meant to happen he wanted to give him an opportunity to pray with him though stay awake don't get lulled into a sense of a sleep we are to pray continually pray continually that's not have a time of prayer that is to be in constant communication with the father it's an everyday, constant communication. Not, good morning, Father. I don't talk, to, he doesn't talk to me like that. I don't talk to anybody like that in my life. I wake up and I'm like, Father, you're so good. Oh, thank you that I'm awake. Didn't die last night. Beautiful. But it would have been great if I did. Not for Kylie. Would have given her a fright, but thank you. Good job. You know. <laughs> Sorry. To be honest, we have a great conversation, me and God. You should have one too. Like, he's got the best sense of humor. And, and honestly, he doesn't mind my sense of humor either. So every time I, I, like I joke with him, he goes, yeah, I know, Steve. 
I know that joke. <laughs> John 17, 6. This is Jesus praying. And he's saying, I want them to be one. And this is what I've done. I have manifested your name and revealed your very self, your, your real self to the people, people, I can't even speak, to the people you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they, and they have kept and obeyed your word. Now, at last, they know with confident assurance that all you have given, sorry, all you have given me is from you. It really and truly, sorry, it is really and truly yours. Then he goes on to say, for the words which you gave me, I have given them and they received and accepted. Do you receive and accept Jesus' words? The name that he gave us isn't like, okay, the real name of God. No, the name, it's the identity. It's the nature. It's the character. He revealed the identity of God. He revealed the nature, the father heart of God. He revealed the character of God. This is how God responds to us in these situations. This is how God's heart is for us. And he wants us to respond in those situations. Everything must be permeated with love. Everything must operate in forgiveness. You must forgive yourself and you must forgive others. Jesus, oh. I've given them uh, the word. Oh, Lord. And they received and accepted them and truly understood with confident assurance that I came from you, from your presence. And they believed with any doubt that you sent me. And then in verse 22, I have given them the glory and the honor which you have given me that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected and completed into what? This is us, guys. That they may be perfected and completed, that we grow, that we don't try and run too far ahead at times, but we grow at the pace that God wants us to grow, getting strong, not lagging behind, not running ahead, not shooting off the side or trying to get around things, but going on the path, on the journey that God, knowing that he's got this. I only got two cents in my pocket. I trust God. Kingdom. And it's not the action, it's the attitude. So that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, oh, I love this. I, I added this in because this just shows Jesus' heart. You've got to realize Jesus knew what his disciples expected from him. Destroy Rome. Get rid of those filthy Romans. Italians everywhere. We've got them here. We love our Italians. You know, there's only two types of people in the world. Italians and wannabe Italians, you know. Where was I going with that? Never sledge Italians. No more salami. No more wine. No more bread. No more olives. Stephen, your words have consequences. <laughs> Father, I desire that they also, <laughs> whom you have given me as your gift to me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. You loved me before the foundation the world at the same time he cried father if it is at all possible 
take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and tearing the safety wrapper off it, <laughs> he broke it and gave thanks. I love in the, how they've brought out that prayer in the chosen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the earth. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sustained me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. I love that. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. You had a perfect plan. Your son, whom you loved, you sent him to earth to show us your name, to give us your word and to share with us your glory. Father, thank you for your teachings. Thank you for making a way that we can, yeah, be welcomed and come freely into your presence. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your body that was broken. That through those wounds that were inflicted on your flesh, the promise is that we are healed, that we receive healing. Father, I thank you right now for healing that needs to take place. Thank you for supernatural healing, for physical healing, for emotional healing. Jesus, you have done the work. We receive your healing today. Let's eat giving thanks for everything, the victory that we have, that we proclaim about Jesus' death and resurrection. He is risen. Thank you for your life, Jesus. Thank you for your great and precious promises. Oh, in the same way he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new agreement, the new promise. It's made in my blood. Isn't it interesting? Both wine and bread, they both are broken down. They both need yeast and time. And through time, it's changed and transformed into something different. And it's preserved. It's amazing. The examples are here for a reason. It's for a reason. It's not just a, he was drinking wine. There was, there's principles. There's a narrative that is pure right through Scripture. And when you start to see it, you go, oh. That's how Jesus could speak so beautifully. He saw the tapestry and he saw pictures, not just words. He saw God's plan. The plan was that we have a new covenant now with Jesus, through Jesus, with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Your blood that was poured out so that we are clean. You were broken and bloodied so that we can be whole and complete. You were drained of life so that we can be filled with life. They tried to crush your spirit so that we could receive <laughs> your spirit.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for breathing afresh on each one of us today. Jesus, thank you for your spirit. Spirit of revelation, spirit of truth, spirit of wisdom, spirit of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for welcoming us home. You're the best dad. Your love is pure. Your ways are right. (laughs) And your judgments are just. Thank you, Father. May they be one. Father, as you and I are one. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.